You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, Giants fans, and welcome to your Monday edition of the Valentine's News Podcast here on Big Blue View Radio, part of your SB Nation family of podcasts. If you're uh, listening across our podcast network, please subscribe wherever you listen to, to podcasts. If you're watching on YouTube, please like, share, subscribe there as well. And obviously, today we are just a few hours away from Monday Night Football, Giants versus our rival Dallas Cowboys in what uh, what is going to be a whiteout, a madhouse at uh, at MetLife Stadium. And, and here to help me uh, discuss it, break it all down, give us grief is the great uh, R.J. Ochoa of SB Nation's Blogging the Boys. RJ, how you doing? Doing great, Ed. Uh, happy Monday to you. Um, it's it's a big week for any of the NFC East rivals when the Cowboys come to town. It's it's what every single team in the division that isn't Dallas looks forward to. So I'm happy that uh, that we could live up to your expectations a little bit. Well, w- one thing that's going to be different this time, RJ, and we're not going to get into you know back and forth about who's going to win, at least not yet, and all of that, but. The last few times I've sat in the press box at MetLife Stadium and watched the Giants play the Cowboys, the fans that have been in the stadium, it's been two-thirds Cowboys, two-thirds Dallas fans, and I, I can guarantee you that that's not going to be the case tonight. It's Giants are 2-0. and There's a lot of excitement you know, building about where this team might be headed with Brian Dable, and, uh, and, and I, I don't think that uh, that this is going to be a Dallas dominant crowd tonight. I mean, obviously Cowboys fans travel very well, um, but I'm with you. Um, it, it's an exciting time for the Giants. I think, I think beyond the record, I mean, you know, better than I do. Um, and, and I say this with all due respect for, for, you know, um, the staffs that have been with the Giants over the last few years. I think there's an excitement just about that, right? Like, I think even if if this team were 0-2, if, if the gambles that Brian Dable had taken hadn't worked out, I think that, you know, he's he's kind of being well-received, at, at the very least for thinking, for for moving forward in those directions. Obviously, those breaks have gone New York's way, and so that adds to the excitement. Um, it's been a long time since the Cowboys and Giants have played a game, especially in New York, um, that, that had some juice. Um, you know, I, I think the last one was probably – 2016 when Dallas went there in December um, there was a Sunday night game you'll recall in New York won and it was I think the final score was something like 10 to 3 
Um, obviously, that was the last playoff year for the Giants, but but that had a big kind of energy because both of them were so good that that whole year. Um, and, and that was the second loss of the year for the Cowboys, and both of them were at the Giants. It was just kind of a fun, you know, little little quirk to that that magical run that Dallas had. But um, I'm excited. It, it's to your point, it's no longer just like this kind of footnote that you have to kind of flip through as you go through the year. Well, you know, you can call the Giants two and zero start. Some people call it a mirage. Some people want to say, oh, the Giants are the worst two and zero football team ever, and. And, you know, all of that's over the top, but it's also over the top to look at this football team and think, oh, the Giants are fixed. They're going to make a deep playoff run. They're going to win the NFC East. They're going to compete for the Super Bowl. Brian Dable says it all the time. They're at the beginning. You know, this this roster, There's they've had one offseason. They've had one draft. They've had one free agency period where they didn't have any money to spend. So they're at the beginning. We still don't know if Daniel Jones is the, the long-term quarterback, but I think beyond 2-0, and I think there's just optimism that finally they've got the right people. They've got the right head coach. They might have the right GM in, in place to finally make some decisions that, that bring this team back to respectability. I don't know if that feels the same way from the outside. No, totally. Um, and again, I say this with all due respect. I was really upset when Joe Judge was fired. I, I was obviously really hoping he'd stick around. He, he just was clearly somebody kind of bringing the franchise down. I really applaud John Mara for for kind of having a, a self, you know, discussion, self-conversation um, and realizing that things needed to change. Um, and, and to, you know, I think if, if I were a Giants fan, I, I would, and it's hard, right? It's hard to kind of measure, engage your own optimism and, and the fun that you want to have throughout a football season. But to your point, you have to understand that this is the beginning, you know, and anything you're doing, anything you're accomplishing is house money. Um, Brandon Gowden, our, our friend from, from Bleeding Green Nation, has compared this Giants team to last year's Lions team, right? Like if, if you can just be cute, you can be spoiler, you, you know, you can show promise. And I think, you know, we're only two weeks in, but I think the Giants have shown more than, than last, year, last year's Lions did, at least through the first two weeks, in that, you know, like how often would the Giants have gone for it on fourth down to win the game or gone for a two-point conversion or, or been that aggressive? Um, you're right that I, I don't know that any of the, the players on this roster are for the long term of this project, but um, if, if you're a Giants fan, I definitely think you, you you might not be able to buy a jersey and rep the name on the back for that much longer because there might be some turnover that's yet to come, but you can certainly rep the name that's on the front. You, you can certainly feel pride in your Giants. You can have fun. I mean, it's got to be a fun time to be a New York fan, whether that's the Yankees or Mets. Uh, I mean, both of them are going to lose in the playoffs to the Houston Astros, obviously, uh, but still, <laughs> that, that's that's what makes this time of year fun, and, and I have have to imagine you're having so much more fun than you have through September, which is, is saying something than you have in a very long time. Well, since since you went to baseball, I'm not going to argue much about the Astros because when my Yankees beat the Astros, then I'll believe that they can beat the Astros. Okay, <laughs> okay. I I just I, I want to see it. I need to see it. Jose Altuve needs to go crying and whimpering off into the off season, but but I'll believe that they can when I see it. But so people know, we are recording on Friday afternoon. I have one wish for the weekend <laughs> as, as we do this. Come on, Boston Red Sox. Will you please throw Aaron Judge strikes so that by Monday, by the time this show airs, he's got 62 home runs and, 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 and I can stop you know, planning my days around when the Yankees are going to be on TV. 
you know um that's that's such a fun quirk to to sports right um you know this past monday night um when when we had the doubleheader monday night football game and obviously like i I love all football like you do and 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 the eagles are playing i'm a big believer in the vikings and so i wanted to watch both of those games but the astros to just to kind of stick with baseball we're in the process of clinching the al west and so i really wanted to enjoy that so i was trying to watch two football games and to watch an Astros game, um, you know, so there's a lot of managing my iPad and things like that. I'm I'm really the champion um, that made it through that. Uh, but multiple but I, devices, RJ, multiple devices. We live in an interesting time, uh, certainly. <laughs> but um, but no, I mean, it's um, it's going to be fun. Um, it, it's a it's a fun energy around New York. Um, I think the energy is probably better around the Giants than it is the Jets. I mean, and, and I know that that doesn't really matter to a lot of Giants fans. But I mean, I think the Jets are only trending down. I know they had a big win, you know, in week two. But it's it's hard to buy that, that there's a long term success rate that's going to happen with that organization. Whereas I do feel like I don't know if Brian Dable is going to be able to replicate what he did with Josh Allen, but I do feel like there are at least adults in the room and, and adults making legitimate roster and team and franchise decisions, and that hasn't been the case. I, I'll tell you, I'm a big fan of Brian Dable not acquiescing and playing Kenny Galladay. I love that. I love that Brian Dable is not saying, you know what, this guy's got a big contract. I got to get him on the field. Who cares? <laughs> like, who, who cares? If he's not a good enough player, he can't play for me. So I'm a big fan of Brian Dable, although I hope he loses all of his games, obviously. I Well, I, I, I agree with you about the Galladay situation, RJ, but I think that one thing that Giants fans need to understand, and, and you know this, it is much easier for Joe Shane and Brian Dable sure. to look at Kenny Galladay and say, we didn't pay him that money. We didn't sign him to that contract. He's not our player. We can move on from him. If they want to move on from Daniel Jones, it's much easier because they don't have to explain the pick. Their reputations aren't tied to the money they spent on Galladay. It's harder if it's your draft pick or your big free agent signing. But I but I agree with you. If they think David Sills is a better player, then David Sills should play. Yeah, and, and I think that, you know, that's such a great point. Um, and, and one, I think that we're seeing them exercise. We, we don't see that with a lot of teams. That's kind of the problem with the Cowboys as an example, right? Like you, you can have head coach turnovers, staff turnovers, offensive, defensive coordinators, but you've had the same level of ownership, same GM in that sense, and Jerry Jones. So there's, there is no true ever start over rebrand the way you get with conventional teams that, that have a, an independent general manager, an independent head coach. Uh, and so that's kind of just life with the Cowboys. That's what part of what makes it unique. Um, that's that's why I kind of like my Astros fandom. It allows me to feel like a more normal fan with, with the way a normal team <laughs> operates. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, the Cowboys certainly stumble into some nice draft picks of their own. Uh, one of them that's tearing it up is somebody I know you wanted for the Giants a year and a half ago at this point, Micah Parsons. He's He's kind of keeping the ship afloat all by himself. Oh, so let's so let's talk about Micah Parsons. And I know that I still get emails and questions to my big blue view mailbag. Why didn't the Giants draft Micah Parsons? And the fact of the matter is, RJ, you remember there were there were questions about Parsons, sure. not about concerns. not about his talent. There were character concerns. There were diva concerns. There were, to be honest, a lot of the concerns that we heard in this draft cycle about Kayvon Thibodeau. Mm -hmm. Same type of thing. What kind of personality was he going to be? And I I keep reminding people that the Giants were a bad football team. And 
we screamed for years about, you know, stop doing things like drafting running backs, number two overall. Trade trade down, acquire some assets, you know, get a second first round pick, get extra players, build the roster. And Dave Gettleman always said, well, you know, when you do that, you run the risk of leaving a really good player there. And the Giants left two all pro caliber players on the board when they made that choice. You know, they left Parsons and they left Slater there. And and this is, that's part of the fallout. It's, you know, that's still kind of a debate. Honestly, it's funny you bring that up between Cowboys fans. I don't think there's anybody who regrets drafting Micah Parsons, but, but you look at, I mean, the, the day Tyron Smith was hurt a few weeks ago, you know, you, you, your mind wondered, right? Like, would, would this team be better off with Rashawn Slater? Um, and I think to, to, to be fair to, to Giants fans or, or to be fair to the Giants, rather, I, an important point to remember with Micah is that he was evaluated as an off-ball linebacker. That, that was the evaluation coming into the NFL. Um, and, and to your point, it's it's not the best utilization of resources to take a running back with the second overall pick or the fourth overall pick, things that these two teams have done. The Cowboys did take an off-ball linebacker. Granted, it wasn't with the 10th overall pick because they traded back with Philly. But that that's just that's that's too rich. That's too rich of a pick to spend on that. Now, obviously, Micah became this incredible pass rusher and, and you're, you're more than willing to spend you know that resource or any resource on, on something like that but that wasn't known at the time you know and, and I don't know I don't know I don't want to take anything away from Micah but does he become that you know in well, New let, York? Let, let, let me correct you on one thing it was known to one person at Big Blue View who wrote that the best edge defender in the 2021 draft class is Micah Parsons well it was I mean all the due credit, uh, but it was still a, a bit of an unknown yes. thing because he, there was such a small sample size. And so, and even now we still have that debate, you know, on the Cowboys side of things, like, should he play there full time? It, it, he's just such a unique player in that sense. Um, and so I, I'm, I'm thrilled with the pick obviously, but yeah, I mean, you, you can make an argument that the Giants aired in trading back could the Kadarius Tony pick probably doesn't make you feel great at least a, well, a year and change in. Well, the Kadarius Tony pick doesn't make you feel good. You're right. But what I said at the time and what I will still say is you have to look at the sum total of what happens here. The Giants got Kadarius Toney. They got a fifth-round pick that last year that they used to move up and draft Aaron Robinson, who's one of their starting cornerbacks. Won't play Monday night because he's out with appendicitis. But So they got Kadarius Toney. They got... Aaron Robinson this year, they got Daniel Bellinger in the fourth round, who is their starting tight end. And Oh, by the way, they got a first round pick that turned into number seven overall, which turned into Evan Neal. So you can make the argument that either Evan Neal or Kayvon Thibodeau, one of those two guys is not a giant without that trade. So I think giants fans have to realize that, Micah Parsons is a great player, but if Kayvon Thibodeau turns into a great edge defender or Evan Neal turns into a 10-year answer at right tackle, you've got, you know, you've got that plus all of the other pieces that you ended up with. And, and that's a great point. It's just, you know, I'm sure you run into this problem. It's so hard 
for people to be patient, right? Especially, exactly. you know, you, you probably you probably talk to Giants fans, just be patient. This process is to bear itself out. Why? Why should I be patient? We've waited, you know, it's been uh, at this point, what, 12, 11 years since they've won the division. It's been six years since a playoff appearance. Like we've been patient long enough. The Ed, the, the boat photo, the boat photo, we've been, we, the record since the boat photo, like all those things. It's just, mm-hmm. it's hard. I mean, it's, it's hard yeah. to win in the NFL, which is why Cowboys mm-hmm. fans are, are so frustrated with their team. And the way that the front office went about building their roster, seemingly leaving them ill-prepared for the season to come. And it's interesting. Let's talk about the uh, the Cowboys roster in the 2022 season. I just did this week, I did my Q&A, my five questions traded with Dave Halpern from your staff. And, and you know, Dave and I have been doing those five questions for like, maybe a hundred years or so. I think we've been yeah, doing you guys them. did them on, on rock and chisel. I think at first, I, so. I, I think so. <laughs> I think, you know, we, we did them. I, I'm pretty sure that is how we did them back in 2007. <laughs> but, but, uh, but it's interesting. Cause I saw the headline on your site. You, you guys picked up on the quote that, that I gave Dave that, that to me, this Cowboys roster is not scary. And, and here's what I meant. I look at the Cowboys and the Cowboys have been good. All right. They haven't gotten over the top. They haven't gotten to the Super Bowl. They haven't, they haven't won the big prize, but they've been good. And I've looked at their roster for years now and said, the roster is better than their performance. They've underachieved. I don't look at this Cowboys roster and I'm not, I just don't look at this roster and think it's as good as it's been the last few years. And that's what I simply meant by it's not scary to me. I don't think that's unfair. Um, you know, the the major moves over the offseason for the Cowboys were, were cutting Lyle Collins, who they just beat. And so now every Cowboys fan, you know, feels like the front office was right, right? Oh, look, they beat Lyle. You know, the, the decision was totally sound. Um, they traded away Amari Cooper. You mentioned we're recording Friday afternoon. He he caught another touchdown on on Thursday night. Um, still still looks like a serviceable wide receiver. They didn't recoup any legitimate value for him in an offseason that saw all sorts of wide receiver movement and first round picks being traded. And not to say that Amari was worth that, but he was certainly worth more than a fifth round pick. Um, and 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 the problem with that is fine. You want to move on from players like that. They had the Randy Gregory debacle as well. But replace them, right? Like, you can't just take Amari Cooper away. Keep in mind, Michael Gallup tore his ACL in the penultimate game of the, of the season last year. And granted, they did re-sign him. But they took Amari Cooper away. They traded him. And, and what'd they do? They, they signed James Washington. Okay. He got hurt in, like, the third day of training camp. And they did nothing about that. Okay. Well, they drafted Jalen Tolbert, Ed. So, you know, be scared of him. He was their third-round pick. Watch mm-hmm. out. He's been inactive so far this year. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, you know. Hey, Ed's looking at the at the the state of the offensive line. The Cowboys have always had a great offensive line. I mean, it's going to be great, even though they cut Lyle Collins, right? Well, Tyron Smith, prior to this season, had missed time in six straight years. Dak Prescott, who I'm sure it feels like has been around forever, has never played an entire season with Tyron Smith. It's never happened. And so what did the Cowboys do to, to protect themselves in the event of a Tyron Smith injury? Nothing. They, they did nothing. They, they did spend the fifth-round pick they got in the Amari trade on Matt Waletsko. Again, a fifth-round pick um, out of North Dakota. 
and and they relegated swing tackle duties. Again, this is a team. Swing tackle is important. Whoever, whatever NFL team you're talking about, this is particularly important when you have Tyron Smith, who is seemingly an, an an inevitable factor when it comes to injuries. They relied on on Josh Ball, who was their fourth round pick a year ago, kind of had a redshirt year, and Matt Waletsko. They were both terrible in the offseason or in the preseason in, in training camp. So what they do? Nothing. Oh, it's gonna be fine. Tyron's gonna be great. Don't worry about it. We got Tyler Smith inside a left guard. Tyron gets hurt. Whoa. Oh my gosh, this was so unpredictable. Wow. How, how like what are what are we supposed to do? So this this was not even three weeks ago, Ed. And this is one of the current my current issues with some Cowboys fans. They go out, they sign Jason Peters. Okay, thank goodness, right? They 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 finally did it. They were painted into a corner. They signed Jason Peters. But in the meantime, because they waited two weeks to sign somebody after Tyron got hurt, their rookie first round pick, Tyler Smith, who exclusively got work at left guard throughout camp in the preseason. They kick him out to tackle. He plays well. Respect. Good job, Cowboys. Dunk on me. Take your victory lap. Tyler Smith looks great. But now, Ed, now they're talking about, well, do we really want to play Jason Peters at left tackle? Should we play him at, at, at guard? Should we kick him out to right tackle? Because Tyler Smith has played well in two whole games. So who are we to deny two whole games in the face of Jason Peters, who's been playing left tackle in the NFL since Ed and Dave were trading rock and chisel questions at Big Blue View and blogging the boys. <laughs> and so they're a purely reactionary team. Um, they won a game last week that nobody expected them to win and good for them. But it does kind of feel like that's going to their heads a little bit. I mean, again, like how can you look at, at Tyler Smith and say that's a better option at left tackle than Jason Peters in the here and now? Those are just small examples of who they are. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Exactly. I hear you. Let's talk a little bit about the game that they won last week. They, they win a game against the Cincinnati Bengals, who I'm starting to wonder if they're as good as I thought they might be this year but uh they beat the Bengals with cooper rush playing quarterback now cooper rush is now two and oh as an nfl starting quarterback and my question for you is is what did he do that helped the cowboys win a game and you know, Cooper Rush is a guy that the Giants looked at and basically booted off their practice squad in 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 uh, in place of Clayton Thorson. You know, who's another guy you know something about. So, what did he do that helped them win? And is whatever he's doing is it sustainable for Dallas for a few weeks until Prescott comes back? 
Well, first of all, it was hilarious that that one of the first things to happen to the Giants after hiring Jason Garrett was bringing in Cooper Rush and Clayton Thorson players. You know, we, we see that all the time, right? You know, Ron Rivera brings Curtis Samuel to Washington. Oh, it's going to be amazing because it, it was it was amazing in Carolina. Um, I, I'd say what what Cooper did well uh, was probably stay out of the way or, and and benefit from <laughs> from good luck. I mean, you know, like what you're saying is is kind of been the conversation all week, and Jerry had some comments that were really annoying. Um, about this, but C- Cooper Rush led the Cowboys to victory. Okay, and they scored two touchdowns in there. They scored two touchdowns all season, by the way. Uh, they scored two touchdowns in that game. Both of them came in the first quarter. The first one was their opening possession of the game, scripted drive. Kellen, I hope you can execute your scripted drive to perfection, but you did, so kudos to you. The second touchdown was aided by a 46-yard pitch to Tony Pollard. So what did Cooper Rush do well against the Bengals? He threw the ball 10 feet to Tony Pollard, right? And then and then Tony, and then Tony took care of the rest and took them down to the one-yard line. And and even even then, I mean, the, the Cowboys won on a game-winning field goal. That final drive, I'm, I'm not sure how much of that game you watched or have seen in the aftermath. Cooper, you know, throwing to Noah Brown, who's now one of the best receivers on the Cowboys in lieu of Amari Cooper's absence. Um, one of the more critical catches of that drive, the ball was tipped. <laughs> the ball was tipped and winds up in the hands of Noah Brown. So if, if Cooper Rush can can perfectly execute a tipped pass that still winds up in the hands of his receivers every week, then yeah, I mean we're we're cooking with gas here. But um, is it sustainable? I mean, maybe. I mean, you know, a lot of that depends on how hollow you feel like the two and O Giants are, how how legitimate you feel like the one and one Commanders are, right? Because those are their next two teams. After that, they play the Rams in L.A. They're a little bit down on their luck too, right? Even though they won last week. And after that, they're on Sunday Night Football against the Eagles. Three of these next four games are in division for the Cowboys, and that's kind of why they they didn't do anything with their roster because they kind of counted on being able to just walk over the NFCs because they've been able to do it for so long. Well, you talk about uh, about the NFC East and you talk about schedules, and is is the Giants' 2-0 record hollow? And I look at it this way. They've won two games by four points against two teams that I don't think are all that good. And, and Tennessee Titans fans will be upset about that. But but Tennessee just lost to the Giants, and they looked like a peewee football team playing <laughs> against the Bills. I mean, I think that Tennessee has been good for a while, but I think they're on the downslide. Sure. Um, the reality of it is the Giants could easily be 0-2. You... you Randy Bullock makes a, a perfectly makeable 47-yard field goal and they lose week one. Week two is a three-point game that they win on a 56-yard Graham Gano field goal. And what I will say about those games is the Giants have generally lost those kinds of games over the last few years. Um, but and And it was nice to win them, but so many NFL games are last possession games. So many NFL games are one score games. You don't know how those things are going to go week in and week out. And, and and if you're in them every week, you'll win some, you'll lose some. Sometimes the ball bounces your way and, and sometimes it doesn't. So is the Giants 2-0 record hollow? I don't know if I would call it that, but I'm also not going to look at them and say they're fixed. They're in, they're in they're in competition for the NFC East title. They're they're a team that's ready to make a deep playoff run. I'm not going to say that until I see that. Sure, and I think that's fair. And I I would look at the Cowboys' offensive performance in, in Week Two against the Bengals, and I would say that that is hollow. I don't think that that's something they can replicate. Good for them. They I mean they 
they did it right like they executed their game plan they deserve all the credit in the world for that but it isn't sustainable the thing that that is sustainable for them is is the defensive side of the ball now to be fair you know, a big talking point we had all offseason was that there was going to be regression when it came to turnovers. There was going to be regression no matter what. And a lot of fans, no, no, you don't know that. They could take the ball away more. Sure, it's possible. But in all likelihood, 100 years of data shows us that regression is more likely than not. And so we're seeing that through two games last year, the Cowboys had six takeaways. Through two games this year, they have two. But despite that fact, despite that that loss of four, I do think this defense is better. Um, they're, they're more sound. They're more physical. Those are, are tropes and cliches. But again, I don't know if you saw the end of the Cowboys Bengals game. Trayvon Diggs had a critical third down stop that was all about physicality. And he had a big stop on second down right before that. And, and so he's not intercepting the ball. He's not taking it away in that sense. But he is growing and developing as a corner. Micah Parsons, I mean, we already talked about it, but I mean, the dude has four sacks through two games. I mean, like he's, he's the, he, he is a, a difference. He, he is an X factor. And the Cowboys had four non-Micah Parsons sacks against the Bengals. And I would say that three of them were a direct result of the pressure created by Micah Parsons. And so is that sustainable? Can he do that every single week? Probably not, right? We've seen it happen sparingly. Lawrence Taylor is the player he gets compared to often. I'm sure you're aware of. Um, can he be that guy? Can can he single-handedly will the Cowboys to victory every week with a lackluster offense in an era where offense wins nine out of ten times? It's possible. Um, I like his odds against Daniel Jones more than I did against Joe Burrow, and it worked out you know, then. So um, when you have a turnover-prone quarterback like Jones and you have somebody who's great at, at wreaking havoc like Micah Parsons, it does make me lean a little bit more towards the Cowboys when we do all the math like we've done here. Right. Let me ask you this, though, before we get into predicting Monday night's outcome. Does anything the Cowboys really do this season – really matter because I think we all know Sean Payton's going to be the head coach next year. Um, I, I have two answers for that. One, I don't think it matters. Um, but two, I don't know that I think Sean Payton's going to be the head coach. I mean, that's, you know, to, to your point, you know, three years ago we were sitting here saying, yeah, I mean, well, Jason Garrett's on his last legs and, and Lincoln Riley is going to be this team's head coach, right? Like that was the, the kind of, you know, take uh, for two years at that point in time was was Lincoln was going to move south, whatever it is, 60, 70 miles and, and, and start working out of AT&T Stadium full time instead of just in the Big 12 championship game. And so, I mean, the, the predictable thing doesn't always happen. The chalk thing doesn't always happen. I would honestly I mean, look, if the Cowboys sign Sean Payton, a huge part of me or, or, or you know trade for him, a huge part of me will love that. But a huge part of me will be disappointed. They need they need a clean reset if they do move on from Mike McCarthy. And they didn't even get that when they brought in Mike McCarthy. They retained Kellen Moore, who was part of the Scotland Hand tree, who was part of the Jason Garrett tree. I mean, to some degree, the Cowboys have had some involvement or some inspiration from Jason Garrett on their team since that 2007 season you mentioned. That was when they hired Jason Garrett from Miami to be their offensive coordinator before they hired Wade Phillips. He was the offensive coordinator for three full seasons, then took over for Wade Phillips, and then that got us here. And and, and Kellen Moore was kind of his protege, the, the new Jason Garrett. Um, so I, I feel so badly for Mike McCarthy. I don't find him to be a great coach. I do think he's done a lot of things differently than Jason Garrett. Just as an example of that, Garrett was 1-13 in in games without Dak Prescott or Tony Romo, not factoring in um, the interim season. Um, He wasn't the full-time head coach, but uh, Mike McCarthy is 6-7 and in games without Dak Prescott. There's no way. I mean, you've seen Jason Garrett recently. There's no way the Cowboys would have won against the Bengals without Dak Prescott if Jason Garrett was their head coach. Right. So let's let's talk about, about Monday night. Now your your readers at at blogging the boys know that 
I looked at this game and I look at it as a 50-50 game. I look at it as either way. I think the Giants are favored by a point and a half or two points. And I've actually picked Dallas to win this game. As much as I don't want to, to do that, I just look at the Giants and I think this Giants team at 3-0, and I never would have predicted it. I don't I don't see it as a 3-0 and team. The Giants play the Bears in week four. And people are already talking about the Giants going four and zero, and maybe that maybe that happens. It's it's entirely possible. Maybe they win Monday night. Maybe they beat the Bears on Sunday. Maybe they are four and zero. I still don't see them as an eleven twelve win team. They're not fixed. They're not that yet. I go back to, I think in Sean McDermott's first year in Buffalo, they were surprisingly good. And then they regressed in their second year. Maybe that's what we're going to see under Brian Dable. Maybe they're surprisingly good in year one. And then some some sort of standard regression happens in year two. So I'm I'm picking Dallas for the simple reason that I just don't think the Giants can go 4-0 here. And I think they're more likely to lose a game to Dallas than they are to Chicago. So, so that's it. That's it for me. I think that's fair logic. I do think that by the end of week four, the Giants have three wins. I, I do think that they're they're going to beat the Bears. So I think the floor is three wins through the first. Um, I know it's not the first quarter anymore, but you know it, it always will be to me, despite the, the regular <laughs> season growing. Um, I'm I'm taking the Cowboys too. Um, and and you know I've done a few Giants podcasts this week. I, I say this with all due respect. I just don't think Daniel Jones is good enough. Um, I, I, he's in, in the fact that he's, he's not good enough and, and he's so turnover prone. It's just, a, it's just a bad formula in general, let alone when you're going up against what might be the most dominant defensive player in the NFL right now in, in Micah Parsons. And so, um, you know, if, if we have to play games, right, like, well, who has the advantage here? I, I think it's kind of a wash at quarterback. I would give Dallas a slight edge at head coach. I mean, again, I'm not high on Mike McCarthy, but you know, Brian Dables in his third NFL game as a head coach. So if, if I'm picking like who has an insane advantage, where is it? It's the Cowboys on the defensive side of the ball because of Micah Parsons. So they can get to Daniel Jones. I mean, they, they surrendered less than 300 yards of total offense last week, Dallas did, and, and they didn't even force any turnovers. And so, like you know, if the offense can can just get enough done against – and I agree with you, Cincinnati's obviously got some question marks here in 2022, but if they can get it done against an offense that we know has elite potential, um, they should be able to stymie the Giants enough. And, and if, if a turnover can cause a, a short field – and, you know, Dallas doesn't have to score a lot, you know, but if they get those limited, easier opportunities, I could kind of see them running away with it in that sense. I don't think it's a big-time score runaway. I think, you know, I think we're talking something like 2017 again, 2016, you know, 24, 21 type thing. Um, I think it's probably closer than, than Cowboys fans would like, but I do think that Dallas ultimately wins and therefore covers. Yeah, it's interesting. The one thing I will say is I posted uh, our weekly SB Nation Reacts uh, polling at, at Big Blue View on Friday afternoon. And I don't know if you saw this, but I asked if Giants fans approved so far of the way that Daniel Jones had played through two games. 68% said they approved of the way that he's playing. And, and if Monday night doesn't go well, I don't think I want to do that poll again. But you know what? I mean, and, and I, I, that's where I think if I was a Giants fan, it, it's hard, but I know, I know you do a great job. Like, you have to temper expectations. And look, Teron Taylor has been a fine quarterback in the NFL, but he shouldn't touch the field at all this year. If you're, if you're a Giants fan, 
every, and I understand the likelihood of re-signing him in the offseason is low, but every snap of this year has to go to Daniel Jones. So you can say you looked under every rock to determine whether or not he's a franchise quarterback. Because if you're going to say no, that's a big thing, and, and you have to make sure you did the work on that. Absolutely, because – and I've done the research on this, and I think since 2010, of the quarterbacks drafted in the first round, I think you could call – if you look at you know Pro Bowl, All-Pro, is the guy a top 12 quarterback in the NFL? I think maybe you could define 30% of the guys drafted in round one as that. So when you've got a guy – who was drafted in the top 10 and is you, you've got to exhaust every possibility before you move on. I think that's well said. And I mean, you, you can't undo all of what Dave Gettleman and Joe judge did in, in one fell swoop, right? This is a process, you know, it's, it's like when, you know, when you have a cold and Michael Parsons actually has a cold right now, but you, you know, you have like, you have that one morning you wake up and you like sweated the infection out. You have to do it. You know what I mean? You, you have to go through that before you can truly begin the healing process. Yes, you do, and I and and I'll I'll just say that you know I'm dealing with some some back issues right now, and and I think that's where I am. I'm sort of uh, working through the process, and I think that's what the Giants are doing as well. RJ, thank you as always, and I hope you enjoy the game on Monday night. But obviously, you know, not too much. Likewise, Ed, um, health, wealth, and happiness to you and yours, um, but nothing but sports misery for you. And, and I mean that on a Giants and Yankees and, level, uh, and, just, and, just so we're clear. I was going to say, you know, maybe maybe, maybe we'll have to, to wager a little something, you know, if and when we get to Yankees-Astros. You know, I mean, obviously, if, if we lose that, I'll be devastated, but it has to happen. You know what I mean? Like, like this, the, the sport of baseball, we, we need it. You know, we need Astros, Yankees, ALCS. We, we need that series. Baseball deserves it. Sports deserves it. So uh, I'm willing to risk um, devastation in the name of, of something great. <laughs> All right. Thank you very, very much for a little bit of time, RJ. Giants fans, thank you as always for listening. Please remember to uh, stay safe out there, take care of each other, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on the phone? <laughs> no. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.